0: This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's the Bartender Journey Podcast, number 152. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thank you so much for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, this is a very special episode. I'm calling it How-To Hospitality with Southern Teague of Amoria Margo. Well, I'm, I think I've mentioned on the show before that during the Tampa Repeal Day Conference, Southern they gave a great talk about the steps of service. When people come into his bar, there's a certain sequence of events that happen every time. I thought it was an awesome seminar and something that everybody in the industry could really learn from. So I asked Souther if he'd be a guest on my show to, to talk about that, uh, to talk about his great bar, but also talk about that seminar that he gave.
1: If you're not familiar with Souther. My name is Souther Teague. I'm the beverage director at Amoria Margo in New York City's East Village. Um, and my bar is unique.
0: It is. It is.
1: <laughs> 240 it, square feet. It's um, tiny. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all bitter all the time. Amori Margo means love and bitters. I've got right here in front of you about I think I'm pushing 250 tincture bitters. I've got about 110 potable bitters behind me. We don't use sugar, we don't use juice, and we don't shake drinks.
0: What was the logic behind that? Or Man, if there it, was logic, we wouldn't have no made logic. it.
1: logic. <laughs> we wouldn't have said, no way. Um, so... I guess it, it, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle and there's a lot of moving parts um, to make mm-hmm. such a small thing happen and then to make it last as long as it's lasted. We started uh, ostensibly as a pop-up. We were going to be in this space for six months um, and uh, you know, it, literally in less than a month we'd turn five years old nice. on March 21st. Mm-hmm. So I guess for me anyway, my part of it all, I was a chef for 12 years before becoming a bartender here in New York City where I've been bartending for now... 14. So I've hmm. eclipsed my former career. Hmm. Um, Bitters and Amari are very savory. Yeah. It seemed like a logical step for me to move into a world of like savory cocktails. Um, mm-hmm. I joke all the time mm-hmm. that, you know, I used to be a chef. Now I just make chilled soup. <laughs> right?
0: It just makes sense in my mind. Yeah. There's something about being behind the bar though. You know, in the, when you're in the kitchen, you, you don't interact with the guests. And, and, and I think that's kind of the appeal for, because you find a lot of, a lot of chefs that, find their way behind the bar. And I, I think uh, me personally, I was in the same boat. And, you know, I I, I enjoy both the sort of technical and the creative and, and, and the hospitality aspect.
1: Absolutely. The two overlap in so many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all about uh, procurement of items, um, you know, uh, mise en place, setting up the, the, the space to be the most efficient for the task that needs to be done. Um, creativity level of, you know, making the product itself. Uh, and then of course the difference is there at the end where, where in the kitchen, you know, someone carries that plate out through the double doors and you're not sure what happened, if anything, you know, those right. are the kitchen nightmares I used to have. Like yeah. there was really no one out there. Yeah. yeah. It was just a long parade of food going out the door and being thrown away. But I bet you were you one know? of
0: those chefs who liked
1: to of take the food out, out themselves. There. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, so yeah, to be behind the bar, you get to be part of the experience to whatever degree your guest wants, you know, we right. can be. Immersed in their experience for the whole time if they're engaging, or we can just quietly put the drinks down and walk away. Um, but either way, we're part of their experience, and that's huge draw to come out in the front.
0: I, I always say, like, I hear everything in the bar, but what I choose to to use or follow through with is a different story. Yeah,
1: he, yeah, hear all, say nothing. That's, yeah. of, that's one of the <laughs> bartender Unless creeds, right? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the
0: bartender creeds, like, yeah. Well, Amore Amargo is one of my favorite bars uh, in the world, really, and uh, it's a great place to be. It's so tiny, and I asked other the, the fact that it's so small must make you interact with every guest that, uh, that comes through there in a, in a big way.
1: We absolutely do. We engage every single guest, which is, I think, unusual for a bar that does the, uh, um, you know, the volume that we do. Um, we engage every single guest because the process is pretty consultative. Generally speaking, our guest comes in the door and doesn't recognize... 80% of the back bar, which means they look at the menu, which is just the written words that are on the back bar. So they don't recognize it either. So we have to talk to every single person. Um, in fact, we've been offered to move Amori Margo more than once to larger spaces and, mm-hmm. and I've declined. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that to move it to a bigger space would, I don't know if it would kill it, but it would kill a big part of it for me. So I'd right. prefer to make less money, generate right. less revenue and, and have something that's a little bit more special. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe we'll do a different version in a bigger space. Right. Um, but it would, it, would, it would take a lot. And it would have to be a space that really called to me. Right. Um, this space also has this sort of like old-timey lunch counter feel, which is awesome. <laughs> right now in the daytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which well. is the last time you were here was it, the daytime as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so the space itself, if you want to talk about that real quick, it's – you can hear a little bit of chatter in the background. I don't know if the listener can, but uh, uh, there's a kitchen right behind me that operates two other businesses – That are connected. Uh, This was the dry storage for the kitchen. (laughs) This was a space that, you know, whatever flour and rice and salt were held. Uh, But they have such a large space downstairs that we
0: convinced them to move their dry storage downstairs, and, and so we could have a bar in here. Nice. nice. Okay. So if you're not from New York, but you come to visit, please put that on your list of places to go. Amori Amargo, you're going to love it. So back to uh, the theme of this episode, how to hospitality. Or uh, Souther had a much longer and more descriptive name for his seminar down in Tampa.
1: The psychology of the room, how to use inherent human behavior to guide people through their time in your space.
0: So I asked Souther if we could go through those steps of service as he outlined them in his in his seminar. If we can go through them one by one.
1: Sure. I mean, there's a lot of them, but I'll give you the big, the, you know, the big ones. Um, I got them written down. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Number um, one:
0: every single guest gets a greeting as soon as they walk in.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, again, a space this small, and like I, I hate to keep harping on it, um, especially when we're in a medium where people can't see. This is this is you know oh. audio, not visual. It's tiny. Um, yeah. In a space this small, there's no way I can allow someone to come in the door and not see them. I see every right. person. So that alone means I need to acknowledge them. And this, I think, should hold true for any service, serviceable space. You know, yeah. If I'm walking into the tire store, I want someone to greet me. Because right. the bottom line is, in a psychological sense, you're stepping off the streets of New York City into a room that does not belong to you. Right. Someone needs to tell you you're in the right place. You're welcome. That welcome can be just a nod, a wink. Hey guys, how are you? You know, mm-hmm. come on in. Here's, you know, like, you're in the right place. That's the message we're delivering right. there.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, well, yeah, you you said how you know how many times have you walked into a, a bar or or any other business and, and nobody says anything to you and you kind of walk around like confused and then you leave and you say this place sucks and you never come back. Yeah, you feel oddly uncomfortable. You aren't yeah. welcomed in. You know, no one would ever
1: come to your house or apartment and walk in the door and you not greet them. <laughs> Exactly. You would absolutely greet them. Hey, absolutely. so glad you're here. Welcome. Come on in. Here's a glass of tea. Whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it's powerfully important to me that that happens every single time. We try, and again, the space being so small, we try within 10 seconds to put a menu in hand. Um, this is not to uh, lay the menu down in front of them on the, on the bar top, mm-hmm. um, but literally put it in their hands, look them in their eye and say, you know, here's the menu for you. Or say, you know, some sort of salutation to get them on board with the game that we're
0: playing so putting it in their hand is a, a I'm giving more you personal, something right? it's a gift right, right right we
1: use a lot of psychology in in this tiny space um, and that's part of the psychology I'm giving the the guest a, a gift um, which then triggers a psychological response that makes them feel they need to give you a gift they owe you something yeah they owe you something not in a negative way but you know I'm manipulating them for sure 100% got to do Mm -hmm. it Um, so then that thing that they feel yeah that thing Mm -hmm. that they feel the need to give back I hope is some attention now I've given them the menu they're going to read it Mm -hmm. right and again, talking before, you know, there's so much stuff on my back bar on my menu that the you know average consumer just simply doesn't recognize. Yeah. So that leads to the next step of service. Um, whatever we're doing, we try and get back to that guest within a minute, minute and a half, to let them know that you know don't, there's nothing here to be scared of. Right. Right. I don't want to overwhelm someone but we want to make sure that they know that they're being taken care of so how we come back to them is with a glass of water right it's gift number two mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. right so now i've given mm-hmm. you something else yeah um that so sort of anchor you to the space you mm-hmm. know now i've given you a couple
0: things and psychologically right. it's difficult to give things back once they've been given to you
1: so now you've got your menu you've got your water
0: yeah, I like um, that. It anchors you to that. You know, now you feel like you have your place. Sure, bar it, it and, carves out a
1: little space at the counter for you. Yeah. um You know, even if, even if it's a crowded room, if I sit down two waters for you, suddenly that's your your space. Your right. territory has been marked. Mm-hmm. um And we do a lot of that here at mori Margo too, because again, the place, the place is small. It gets
0: very very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then next you say, uh "How did you hear about us?"
1: Yeah, uh, I always ask, "How did you hear about us?" Um, well not always but if it's someone I haven't seen before um you know which is a a great percentage of the time because people read about us in magazines from as far away as you know whatever Denmark and Tokyo Mm -hmm. and, and they come and I say I had to hear about us um and then there are certain answers that I get that give me clues as to how I can deal with this guest better. Mm-hmm. You know, answer number one is uh, we were just walking by. Right. All right, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. You know, you wandered into what you think is a bar, and it certainly is a bar, but it's a very <laughs> unique bar. You know, right. you didn't just wander into any old deli where you can kind of get any any sandwich you want. You wandered mm-hmm. into a pretty specific sushi bar. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have to carve, uh, you know, carve out that conversation and, and direct them as best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, answer number two is uh, you know a friend of mine told me about this place that's a good one mm-hmm. um but usually it's still loaded with um chance you know it's still an unfortunate truth that people don't describe bars like they describe restaurants. They'll just right. say, it was a great bar. You should go there. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. say, that sushi bar was the best sushi bar I've ever been to. Right. So you're walking in and all you know it's great, but you don't know that it's a sushi bar or hamburger right. joint or spaghetti place. Like you, You've got no mm. clue. So mm-hmm. still have to peel them out, but at least they've got a friend who's, who's given them some information that, that made them come here. Right. So that's great. And then, of course, the, you know there's the least favorite one, which is Yelp. <laughs> and Yelp is only my least favorite because, as it stands, Amori Margo is currently the um, highest or whatever best rated yelp cocktail bar in all of new york (laughs) um and i firmly believe that no one reads yelp they just look at the stars so they see four and a half stars and they roll in here and they just think oh yeah we read about you on yelp let's uh i want a mojito she wants a pina colada he wants a glass (laughs) of champagne i'll just have a red wine i have none of that
0: (laughs) not one of those items (laughs) um but it's the best bar in New York but City. It's the
1: best-rated bar in New York City. So that's great. Uh, yeah, but here's why: because we are focused, and we do a thing, and we do it really well. Mm-hmm. And that's our goal all the time. Uh, you know, I, I try and train my staff to to operate under the tenant. Like, we don't, you know, all the things we do: the lighting, the little tchotchkes that we have everywhere for you to look at and touch, the bitters that are here for you to open and smell and taste. Uh, uh, you know, the the music that we're playing that's just right. The the signs on the wall that are that add to the experience all that stuff you know, even the drinks that we make like all that stuff is free uh, what, we, what we charge you for is the hospitality like that's all we sell and i feel like i'd feel the same way if i was you know i go back to the tire store that i just mentioned for no reason i I, w- I wouldn't sell tires i would sell hospitality right tires come with it it's so true like even a doctor's
0: office like why are you treating me like crap i'm the one paying you like, Yeah, exactly why, why why do you make me sit here for 45 minutes past my appointment i don't I it, it's to come a, here. it's a lack of respect
1: yeah so, yeah, I think that the guests chose to come here. Sometimes they chose it. Sometimes they were dragged by their friends. Um, but whatever, I want them to have a great time uh, in, inside the parameters that I can. You know, People often ask me, based on what I just said, how do I feel when I have to say no to people? I can't stand saying no to people if it's something I can do. Mm-hmm. If it's something I just can't do, it's not a problem for me at, at all. Mm-hmm. Again, if you walked into my sushi bar and you said, I want a hamburger, I'd say no. I mm-hmm. just don't have that. Mm-hmm. I got all this great sushi, though. Let's, let's get into that. Mm-hmm. So it's not a problem for me. People say, "Well, why don't you have vodka?" There's a big, long reason that I don't have it. But the bottom line is, when they ask for it, I gently say, "I just don't have that." This is, this is not the place to get that. Get mm-hmm. on board with what we do. We do a we do a fun thing that people obviously like because we're packed full of people and
0: right.
1: You know, get in get into the game with us. Yeah. What, what step was next?
0: Oh well, this is not one of the steps. But you brought up the music, and I, I love what you said. You said that I want to play music that, uh, <laughs> that everyone can. I know exactly <laughs> what this. I say this all the time. I play music that I want everyone in the room to
1: want to sing along to, but they don't, but then sometimes they do.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> so that's the vibe of the music in here all the time. It's, you see people like rocking their head or bouncing along, and, and it can be anything. You know, I, I start almost every single night of the week with uh, Dave Brubeck, and oddly, I end almost every single night with Brubeck. For me, it's a, it's a personal, it turns my switch on, right. and it lets me know that we're, it's time to do this thing, and at the end of the night, it's also my sort of like shutdown, Uh, But in between can be anything from, I don't know, bad religion to, you know, queen. There's a lot of queen on my playlist right now. I don't know why. Just love it. Um, You know, Decemberists, uh, you know, stuff that, you you know, I don't know. There's Tom Petty on there. Everything. Uh, I call it the schizophrenic playlist because I'm trying to touch on a lot of
0: people at once. Um, but, but you also said, like, you, you want somebody to hear that song a week later and say, oh, I was in this exactly. weird bar yeah. last week, and I was drinking this delicious drink, and and this song was on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know, you... These are the things that you sometimes forget as a bartender or a chef or someone who, who does the things that we do, that that's a thing that I still gave you, just like I gave you that drink, mm-hmm. um, and, but this is a thing you took with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, if I gave you a good time and you were listening to that song and having that good time, then the next time you're out and about and you hear that song, you probably
0: be, oh, you know what? I need to go back to that place. Yeah, it's a trigger. Just like, you know, they always talk about how, you know, that smell in your grandmother's house is a sure. trigger and that you'll never forget. And, you know, and the music can be a trigger just like, uh, just like a smell.
1: I Absolutely. I, I think, in fact, it's number two. Number one is aroma, and number two is, is uh, mm-hmm. auditory, like yeah. things you hear. Yeah. Um, because you, they're not as tactile as touching things, and they're not as literally visual as seeing things. So the mind is doing something that you're not even aware of. Some, some subconscious things are happening while you're listening to a piece of music that then you hear that music again, that subconscious trigger is switched again, and then you, you're transported back to that place or that
0: event or that time. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. why
1: sad songs make you cry.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you talked about the stuff all around the bar in the seminar. You called them fascinators. I thought yeah, that was a cool, a lots cool of fascinators. phrase. Fascinators. Uh, that's what
1: I, I made that up. Yeah. So the bar itself, I, I, I probably talked about that in the, mm-hmm. in the seminar. Mm-hmm. The bar itself is made out of penny tiles, uh, which are, you know, little white tiles that are as round as a penny. Um, and, and it's not It's, it's not, not perfect. It's absolutely not perfect. <laughs> we did it ourselves. Um, here's the funny part you know, you look at all these penny tiles and you can see the ones on the floor that are popping up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we got it all done before we. Mm-hmm. realize that they come in sheets. You can just lay down <laughs> the sheets. <laughs> um, we did them one at a time, buddy. Oh, That's boy. a lot of pennies. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, they're uneven, but that makes people uh, engaged with the bar itself. It's really, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, and I think this is where I coined the term fascinators because it fascinates me to watch people sit here yeah. and like literally like, with the palms of their hand, they'll stroke the bar. Yeah, yeah and they're right. just like, you know, and they take it, pictures some, of it sometimes right. consciously, sometimes subconsciously. Mm, you know, sometimes mm, they're mm-hmm. talking to friends, go, "Look at this great bar." And sometimes they're talking to their friend, and they don't even realize they're doing mm. it. The bar's icon has definitely become the tiles. People, you know, t- post
0: photos of their drinks. Or so was that a conscious decision to try to make, you know, no, all this social media thing no, take off, or no, just, just just happened? Uh, it was
1: in the aesthetic we were shooting for. Um, so in the beginning, Amore Margo, which is Spanish for love and bitters. Uh, we were looking at a bunch of Spanish bars in Spain, and it was very mm. common over there to have uh, each bar has its own vermouth, mm. and often on tap. And we have right. two taps here, so we were making our own vermouth in the beginning. Yeah. for the first six months, we stopped doing that. And there's a story behind that too. We can get into if you want. But bottom line is, uh, it just kind of matched our aesthetic, mm-hmm. sort of Spanish inspired mm. tile, mm-hmm. tapped vermouth. You know, Amor Amargo, which is a name that, frankly, I, in <laughs> retrospect, I would never name the place this. It's hard to spell. It's it took hard to me say, about six months
0: to figure out how to say it. It's hard to <laughs> spell <laughs> it's hard to say
1: it's hard to google you know yeah. like um you know i would have maybe i would just would have gone in english love and bitters i don't know that doesn't sound as romantic i guess but uh no not a conscious decision but that's definitely first tier fascinator first tier fascinators also include like all the bitters bottles that are along the front bar right yeah. for, right right in front of the guest easy reach for the guest do you encourage people to
0: taste them right out of the bottle absolutely or, yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, uh, I'll give a little quick speech on how to taste bitters uh-huh. um, so that they're you know so they don't feel foolish about it and then I, I just and I do it while I while I, it takes me two seconds mm-hmm. I say you know do this do this do this and there you go taste them and then I just go have fun nice. you know and I wave my arm at the whole list here so you, and they, you said
0: something about how it it seems like it's creating a barrier but in fact it's kind of the right opposite. well
1: that's the thing I had to overcome that right mm-hmm. when I was standing here behind this wall of bitters I felt like I was behind a wall. Yeah. Um, so, how could I get the wall to be broken down not by me? Uh, so, I encourage people to to grab the bottles oh, okay. you know i 'll tell them, please put them back right where you got them because we have them memorized where they are and mm-hmm. we don 't really look, we just grab them while we 're making mm-hmm. the drinks so don 't mix them up right. um, but other than that, I want people to touch them. I want yeah. people to ask me about stuff like that. you know this is again, the business that we 're in is about engaging people and and, and all we 're left to do as the the sort of stewards of this business is to read how much engagement the guest wants like I said before right. like they want me to just quietly drop the drink and walk away yeah. or they want to ask me where that cognac came from or yeah. tell me something interesting about that tomorrow that's in there Or what bitters are in this what are bitters like yeah. all these things are just to encourage questions like people ask me all the time about the bar yeah. that they're rubbing and touching people ask me about every bitters on this bar <laughs> Um, the bar is small, so there's enough room for people to reach over and touch other things, too, like my bar tools. I don't mind if they touch them. <laughs> they ask me about them. We sell the bar tools. Yeah. So that's great. If they right. touch them. They get them in their hands. Again, it's a psychological thing. Now they have yeah. this thing in their hand. They don't want to give it back. Well, you have yeah, to why? give me that one back. you got <laughs> one right over here. I'll sell to you. So that's great. It generates a good deal of revenue for us. Retail sales oh, yeah. at this tiny bar. It's weird that more bars don't do that. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, but at my size, it's manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of this stuff you're using anyway—the bitters and absolutely, you know, right? yeah. So I so. buy in bulk yeah. instead of buying whatever. Of course, you got to stash know. them somewhere, uh, right? <laughs> which I don't have a lot of that space. But you know, I don't buy angostura bitters by the one, two, three bottles like most bars do. I buy it by the uh-huh. two, three cases because I sell it also. So, mm-hmm. you know, so so my storage is yeah. You know what I'm saying? Here, the yeah. shelves. Yeah, the yeah, shelves yeah. are storage for yeah, those yeah. for those things. Uh-huh. And then we got, so the bar itself is a first tier. The, the bitters are kind of a first tier. Then they can wander around and look at all the wares that are for sale. That's a second tier. Mm-hmm. That gets them up out of their stool if they have one. And they walk around and they touch bar spoons and... Juleps trainers, and you right, know, even from the outside,
0: it's an interesting uh, yeah, it's, display. It's nice and
1: colorful, it looks yeah. good from the outside, yeah. it draws people's attention. Mm-hmm. You know, people often come in the door and they say, Are you a bar or a store? And our yeah. answer is yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, uh, that was then, common
0: with Irish, Irish pubs started oh, as of grocery store. Yeah, grocery right? and grog. Look yeah. at Dead Rabbit. You heard yeah, of yeah. it? Oh, good, yeah, it's a good place. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> doing all right.
1: Dead Rabbit Iceland just opened. i um, going to Reykjavik on Sunday. Really go try and visit. Oh, nice. Uh, I've heard they actually changed their name already yeah did you hear about that no, no, no. oh there was a story that uh, a bar opened in Iceland that w- that pretty much just grabbed a dead rabbit menu which Ooh. is a book Ooh. and read the book and then opened the dead rabbit um, oh, yeah. and called it the dead rabbit <laughs> wow <laughs> and the boys were not happy yeah <laughs> so uh, you know cease and desist or whatever happens, has to happen so I'll wrap up the fascinators and then we can talk about yeah. whatever we want to talk about next third tier fascinators I have these baseball cards up on the back uh, yeah. of the bar <laughs> that are framed um, my dear friend Ari Form who used to work here he is a, a savant at baseball. Like He just knows every stat about every player everywhere, ever. So he, when he worked here, he got to know each of us, and he went through his extensive collection of baseball cards to find a card that not only had some specific meaning to each of us, but then the person on that card was our... Doppelganger. So I was born in Atlanta. My card is in Atlanta Brave. I don't know who it really is. Because mm. then he goes and he takes his X-Acto blade and he cuts their name out and he puts our names on them. So these are framed baseball cards that are real yeah. with forged names on them. And so people come in and, and they do recognize the – I don't know baseball. These, some people come in and they're like, that's somebody, somebody from yeah. the Atlanta Braves in 1972. Yeah. But It's got a weird name on it. I go, well, that's my name and here's the story. And so it's now, that's a really deep story. And these are kind of out of the way. They're not really – Grabbable or touchable. Um, but it's it's a thing that if someone's interested enough to be peeping around my space, they'll, they'll spot them and then they'll ask mm-hmm. about them. It generates that conversation that's not always about what we do. It's about that, uh, you know, we also have lives. Yeah. We're interesting
0: people. Right, right. We do, and it gives we yeah, do it weird gives people stuff. something to do. You know, like I, I, just, I was just at Porchlight for the first time today and uh, they have that back room, the, the game room. I'm like, this is so fun. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally I love Porchlight. Were
0: you talking to Nick? Uh, no, Mimi. Oh, yeah, Mimi. Love her, too. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. I couldn't believe she worked at, like, uh, where the Palladium and all these places. (laughs) Mimi's amazing, man. (laughs) Really cool. She's, I love hanging out with her. Um, She's a sweetheart. So we were at uh, number six, take their order.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it's certainly. number five. Yeah, certainly got to take an order. Um, That's a process as well. As mentioned before, it's a bit consultative. Um, We got to chat with the guests to, uh, you know, get them to have an understanding of what the drinks here are about, you know. Um, We try and uh, operate under a a rule that's, uh, uh, we don't say no as much as we say yes, but, Mm. right? So Mm -hmm. for instance, someone will say, I just, you know, many is confusing me. I don't know any of these things on here. Um, I try and relieve like, that by saying I usually drink vodka sodas. Yeah, right. What do you say to that? I say <laughs> I have two kinds of vodka. Um, they're both flavored. I have a, a, a juniper citrus vodka uh, from from England, and then I've got a, a, a caraway infused vodka. Um, it's actually yeah. So that's gin and uh, aquavit, mm-hmm. and you know what? it works. Like uh-huh. you just you, you, we just make it work. We we say things with such um, tremendous amount of confidence that people will get on board and believe in us. Because you've done it so many times before. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, they say, I just want a vodka soda. I say, we'll I have, you know, citrus vodka. I'll put some nice, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, lime bitters in there for you. Uh, I'll serve it over soda in a tall glass. It'll be great. You'll love it. Never misses. Um, <laughs> and then once they trust you, they say, well, you know what? Let me look at that menu again. Let me, right. let's go right. to the next drink. Let's do what it is you do here. Right. Um, and so then you can move forward like that. But, yeah, we try not to say no as often as you think we'd have to say no at a place that has no juice. Right. <laughs> you know, people say, can I get a last word? Well, <laughs> yes, but <laughs> that's how it starts. Um, we make a drink here called Oh My Word, which is Old Tom Gin Amaro Montenegro, which is one of my favorite yeah. Amari, uh, which has a lot of like orange blossom and bitter orange notes. Uh, and then, of course, maraschino is in there. Um, and then we stir in uh, a hefty dose of lime bitters. And it's a stirred version of the last word. Mm. It's not the last word by any means, but mm-hmm. if, at least if you can say this is
0: cut from the same cloth, right. they'll get on board. Okay. What's, a, what's in the Sharpie mustache? <laughs> Sharpie
1: mustache. Uh, one of the f- longtime favorites here to Mori Margo. We serve it in a flask now yeah. with a mustache uh, uh, on the bottle. Um, it is basically a Negroni. I don't know if we've talked about this, but I only make three drinks here. Um, <laughs> old-fashioned Manhattan's Negronis uh, and the variations that are limitless thereof. Right? Mm-hmm. So if we look at the Negroni and we say Negroni is spirit, vermouth, amaro, and bitters, classically that would be uh, London Dry Gin, Sweet Vermouth, Campari, and Angostura. And I know I get a lot of flack when I say I put Angostura in my Negronis, but I do. Uh, I don't think any cocktail is complete without bitters. Bitters are the seasoning. <laughs> the cocktail is the soup. You wouldn't eat unseasoned soup, would you? So shut right. up. Um, so if we look at that template and then we say, well, the Sharpie mustache is a Negroni then. So it, spirit, we split between um, 10-year-old rye and London Dry Gin. Mm. the vermouth is bonal gentian so gentian and quinine wine so you know sort of a fortified aromatized wine it's not necessarily technically a vermouth though recent information has revealed that what we all thought was technically a vermouth isn't anyway thanks to adam ford's Mm. book Mm -hmm. um so go check that out
0: he's been on my show (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. Cool. Great guy. Um, And then the Amaro in this one is Maletti, which is a cola nut Amaro. So it tastes of, like, leather and spice and vanilla. Mm. Uh, And then we use Tiki Bitters, uh, which Mm. are island spices like ginger, nutmeg, mace. So lots of, like, rich baking spices and leather. Um, And then the reason this thing got its name uh, was because when the creator of this drink, Christ Elford, made it, he was describing the drink to me as he had handed me one. And he described it about as long as it took me just now to describe (laughs) it, you know, it's got all those components. Uh, And I had already finished it. Uh And I said to him, wow, this is a pretty potent drink for how easily it went down. Mm. I feel like if I had a couple of these, I'd wake up with a Sharpie mustache. (laughs) So named. Um, But the reason that it goes down so easily is because of those familiar flavors, like Mm -hmm. that baking spice, that cola note, like Mm. it just tastes like your, I don't know, tastes like
0: your childhood before alcohol. Nice. But it's alcohol. Cool. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting hearing you in, in your meeting just before we started about talking about the description, and you wanted that bigger than the name of the drink.
1: Yeah, on the menu currently, uh, names of drinks are there, and then just under the name of the drink is a italicized description that's just two or three words, for instance. Yeah. I'm going to grab the menu now. The Sharpie mustache says Island Spice and Leather. Yeah. Right? But then it's followed with maletti Bonal, 10 year old ride, gin, tiki bitters. So, you know, I'm going to say. It's getting less and less over time, but probably still forty percent of my guests don't know what Melty or Bonal or Tiki yeah. Bitters are. Yeah. They only recognize London Dry Gin and Rye. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I've come to do mo- most recently this is a, a you know we change the menu every time; it looks different every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the most recent one where we put these little italicized things on there. So now, what we say to guests is, "Stop reading the words you don't know." Read the italicized words, which are words you recognize, and they're just descriptions. Yeah. If you find a drink that you like the description, you will probably like the drink, even if you don't know what those ingredients are. Yeah. It doesn't matter anymore. You don't need to know what the ingredients are. You need to know that this one's juicy and refreshing, though it has no juice in it. I'm, I'm looking at menus all the time. You know, uh, Alex Day from, um, you know, formerly of Death & Co., Proprietors, LLC. I just read something recently about his new menu to place out in California where he just calls each thing. It doesn't have its own name. It just says what it's like. So hmm. Not necessarily description, but like in my case, the De Pompomo on my menu, which kind of has three types of grapefruit bitters with tequila. So it's kind of a juicy tequila drink. Hmm. His his menu would just say, the one that's like a margarita. Yeah. The one that's like a Manhattan. Huh, the one right. that's like an old-fashioned. Uh-huh. So like they don't even have names. They just say, you're looking for an old-fashioned. This is the one we have that's like
0: an old-fashioned. Right, right. I don't think that's... I think that's genius, frankly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's a great. great idea. Awesome. All right, so number six, drop the drink. Repeat the name, tell them what's in it, and tell them what it tastes like, power suggestion.
1: Yeah, even though they ordered the, uh, the Sharpie mustache, let's say, um, when I drop the drink, I repeat the name, which, of course, is common. We should all do that, I hope. Mm-hmm. Here's your rum and Coke. Here's your pina colada, whatever. Uh, that just reaffirms that I heard what you said. I'm telling you again what you said because you may have forgotten while I was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the one drinking. I'm the one working. But also then I want to make sure that they know, here's the Sharpie mustache, you know, Uh, Cola nut uh, and leather, you know, or leather and spice or baking spice. I say some quick descriptor. That way they don't pick that bottle up, uh, that little flask that it's in, and take a swig expecting juicy and refreshing or whatever. Yeah. Like I I think the example I used in Tampa was like I like iced tea. I like Coca-Cola. You sit one down in front of me and I don't know which one it is. I think it's Coke and I take a big gulp and it's tea. It tastes awful. Yeah oh wait it's tea I like it but oh, it take, right. it, there's a psychological moment in there where I'm like really rooked I feel gypped yeah You're like this is wrong then you say oh okay it's just it's a thing it's fine but so when we're dealing with flavors that you know are ingredients anyway that people don't understand or know very well we want to make sure that that little psychological hiccup doesn't happen right so we describe the flavor of the drink every time mm-hmm. Nice, That's powerfully important all right and yeah, like I think you said power of suggestion. I want to suggest to them that, that they're going to taste leather and spice and vanilla, because then they'll taste leather and spice and vanilla. That's so I could sit it down in front of them and say, "You're going to taste broken glass and rusty nails." they like, "Oh yeah, I get the rusty nails for know. sure." It's so weird. You know weird, what I mean? Like it? it's
0: weird. Well, yeah, I was I was at Whiskey Live last night, and you know I went to a um, Scotch tasting, and they're like, you know, they always tell you, "Oh, you, you're going to taste this, that, and the other," and I'm like, "Yeah, I do taste that." One. Well, in blind tasting situations
1: here at Mori Margo, when we taste guests on things that they've never had before. I won't tell them anything. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we'll do if they, you know, we do flights here. If they want mm-hmm. a flight, I'll put down a flight in front of them and I'll say what the bottles are, you know, this is okay. this is whatever Remitzati, this is, uh, you know, Aperol, this is whatever the three things are in front of them. I don't care. I'm just looking at the bar and trying to say things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't give them any influence. I won't tell them yeah. that I think this one tastes like cuz right. then it's going to influence them. Yeah, I totally. want them to tell me and frankly, I learn a lot that way. Mm. I get them to say it first and I think to myself, "Well, my tasting notes say that Chiocaro tastes like flat coke and lemon. And if they say, you know, I get some smoke and leather on the backside of it, I, I'll go revisit it. Right. And I'll say, wow, they're kind of right. There is a little bit of latent smokiness in Chiocaro that I didn't right. notice before. Yeah. Right. So it's suggestive in both ways, but I don't want to taint, you know, the guest by giving them a compass.
0: How, how can you work on that gene or that that skill to, you know, pick practice, flavors that practice, practice. practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you
1: got to taste drink, and smell drink. everything all yeah. the time. And you know, best practices, carry one of these little moleskins, write down everything yeah. just like you do. Yeah, yeah. Like take notes, be meticulous. Uh, yeah. If it's something you believe in and and you really are are interested in, then chase it. Yeah. yeah. You know, as with anything, nothing's just going to come to you. You happen you have to surf Surfing's hard I, as hell. Oh, yeah. I if tried. If surfing was easy, everyone would do it. And if everyone did it, it wouldn't be cool. I never got Surfing's good at Surfing's cool as hell, too. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I surf. It's hard
0: and cool. <laughs> so we're going to keep the water glass full. Yeah, always
1: keep that water glass full. I think this is important for any bar. Um, well, any cocktail bar for sure. When I'm at a, yeah. just a joint or a beer, beer hall or whatever, I don't really care if you pay attention to my water. If I ask for it, you'll certainly bring it, but you don't have to. You know, be my water steward. But it's important at a cocktail bar to do that, especially at a bar like mine. All the flavors here are big, bold, bitter, dark. I want to keep you hydrated uh, so that you'll enjoy the drink you're having, and so hopefully you'll order another one. Don't forget, like, I don't pretend that we do all these things in, in an altruistic way. We're a business. I yeah. want to sell you as many drinks as I can sell you without getting you wasted,
0: yeah. uh, and I don't want to do it as fast as I can do it too. You'll. Well, well you said, well, you said it's over over kind over of a game to extract the dollar bills from your pocket in a uh, in, in a painless in, in, way. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to
1: surgically remove you from your wallet. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and it is a game, and I do see it as a game. It's like just I'm looking for the points, points, mm-hmm. points, points, and in mm-hmm. that in this particular instance, points are are uh, you know. The game is, can I keep your water glass full? And the points are dollar bills at the end of the thing. Mm-hmm. And studies have shown over and over again that you'll, you'll drink more if you're staying hydrated. Right, right. So it's, yeah, it's a perfect. disservice to the guest at a bar like this to not keep water in their hands. Especially with big flavors like you have here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay,
0: keep the bar clean.
1: Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Everywhere yeah. you go, you should, be, you should be taking care of your guests, you know. Um, I want to make sure that the guest feels comfortable and cared for. I think those are two different things. Mm -hmm. Like, you can feel comfortable and not feel cared for. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can feel cared for and not feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to make sure we touch on both. So, I want to make you comfortable by greeting you on the way in the door and taking care of you along the way. And then I want to make you feel cared for by making sure that you're you know, like if your bottle is sweating like it is right there, every time you yeah. pick it up, I keep looking at it, and I keep thinking <laughs> if I was open, I'd have a towel right here. Um, and I would wipe it down. But, you know, I want you to feel like I'm paying attention to you. Yeah. You came here, and for whatever amount you want to pay attention to me, you are, but I'm going to pay attention to you because I'm on the clock.
0: Right, right. And then, uh, oh, it's time to go. There should be nothing left but the water glass, present the bill.
1: Yeah, when it, so if we're taking care of all those steps, you know, and this is not rocket surgery, um you know, if we're taking care of all those steps throughout service, then at the end, it's a no brainer that you have nothing left in front of you, but a water glass that's hopefully full. And I'm offering you another drink that you are demurring. And so then it's time for me to bring the bill. There's no, I don't even have to ask. Mm-hmm. I don't say, shall I bring you the bill? Most, uh, most time I just do, or conversely, the other half of the time they, they ask, they look around, they say, sort of see like, Oh, I guess we're done. Uh, psychologically we've sort of, Ended the system, you know, the system that we're going through. Next step is pay the bill and go, Um, which is again powerfully important from a business standpoint, and especially in a space this small. Yeah, I don't want to kick somebody waiting for that stool. People waiting for that space or that stool that want to get in the game and and get those points on the board for me. So I need to, you know, just subtle cues. I'm not moving it. I don't think I've ever had to ask anyone, "Hey, can I have your seat? You've been here for too long without playing Mm -hmm. the game." Yeah, I've never done that
0: here. And you uh, you tell them the price. What what's the thought behind that? Say what? You, you tell them the price as you present the bill.
1: Yeah, I want them, I want them to know. Uh, it's also a little another psychological encourager. You know, oftentimes you, you I just sit at bars and watch and, and whatever. I've been to bars and watch. Uh, if someone sits a bill down, it gets no attention. Mm. I'm bringing attention back to the bill. Mm. Either you okay. ask me for the bill, and I'm or I'm just bringing the bill. But either way, as I sit it down, I say forty five dollars, guys. That's fifteen each. You know, yeah. because all the drinks are fifteen. Dollars here, and you had three. So we say that number that encourages that mm, that knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, I guess I better reach for my wallet. So it just encourages the ball to stay in motion. Uh, and my guests here, by the way, 2.5 is the average number of drinks a guest has here mm-hmm. because they're strong, yeah. both in flavor and in uh, ABV. Yeah. Right. Again, we don't use any mixers. My only non-alcoholic ingredient is water. <laughs> so unless there's water in your drink, which there is from being stirred and diluted, but yeah, like it's all booze. Wow. So 2.5 is the number of drinks you are going to have. So we, we want to keep the room in motion.
0: Mm-hmm. And you want to uh, process the bill within 1.5 minutes. Yeah, man. Got to get That's that awesome. bill processed
1: because uh, this is your last chance to show them that you do care about them and that you're paying attention to them. Nothing worse than getting to the place um, when, when you're out and about that you are ready to go and being slowed down by the system that you're now locked into. Yeah. If you've given me your money and you're expecting change, or you've given me your credit card and you're obviously expecting me to bring it back so you can sign it, and I'm doing something else, that is going to sour potentially your entire experience, which was up to this point great.
0: Yeah. Well, you, you said it. You said. Uh I'm ready to go. I told them I want to go. Why can't I go?
1: Yeah, right. You you can hear that internal dialogue where they're just freaking out. Like, I want to go. I want to go. I gave them my card. Why can't I leave? It's time to go. I've got an Uber. It's already waiting outside. You know, like all the things. And and New Yorkers, of course, very frenetic people. Yeah. Um, But this is true of anywhere. If you want to go, it's time to go. Yeah. Like, this is what causes the most anxiety at the grocery store. Right. You've done all that shopping. You languished and you walked around and you made your choices and you read Labels and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But man, there's somebody in front of me at the line. Mm-hmm. I just want out of here. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's so like, it's time to go. So then we bring back the credit card receipt, neat and tidy for them to sign and make it as easy for them as possible. It's not upside down, it's not backwards. It's cash, it comes back. Always bring change. Never ask them if they don't need change. It's just another service. Is it easier for me to just walk down to the machine and and keep it because it's obvious that they're going to give it to me? Sure. But it's not about being easy. I'm at work. Yeah. yeah. So I walk back down, I set your change down in front of you, neat. You know, orderly respect thing. Absolutely, and I do that as quick as I can because it's time for you to go. For you, it's also time for you to go. For me, I want to get another. I want to start this game over. Yeah, yeah. You know.
0: You know what I always find weird is behind the bar. um, You know, as soon as somebody orders something, now I gotta ring it into the register. I always feel like uncomfortable. Serving them their drink, walking right to the POS and and ringing in it. it's, There's something about that that just I mean, you know. There, but then it's easy, if you don't do it right away, it's easy to.
1: Of course, there are certain hurdles that you know each business has to overcome on its own. My business is very unique. It's so small that we can get away with judging a lot of these blurry lines. All the drinks here cost fifteen dollars. So even if I'm at the max capacity, mm-hmm. um, which again sixty two is the most we've ever counted in this tiny room, <laughs> um, all I really have to remember is how many you had. Right, right, like I like to give you a receipt that says Sharpie mustache and casualty okay. and DePomp yeah, Elmo, yeah. but I might give you a receipt that just says three at fifteen.
0: <laughs> but do you do you experience that as a as a guest in a bar? Like do, oh, of course, you yeah. know, yeah, like I don't know if there's an answer to it, but it's yeah, just I mean, it's you know, just it's just a weird it's, thing. It's part
1: of the system that you have to just it's the it's the unwritten code. Yeah, you know, the house doesn't want to lose money. You, the 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 bartender slash server doesn't want to lose money, um, and you know the guest wants again. I I I. I I line it all up with is this is this good service? Mm-hmm. am I giving you good service by maintaining uh, your bill? Of course mm-hmm. i am mm-hmm. so no it's it 's not a problem for me, mm-hmm. but like I said, the priority level here is to all the things we just talked about, all the service points um, yeah. and i will I will definitely get looser on that machine than than before i 'll let go of making sure someone 's water's full mm-hmm. right all i 've mm-hmm. got to do is maintain in my mind that. You know, okay, that two top over there by chart. I know that they're on their third round, so that's six drinks. Okay, I can't remember what they had, and I didn't ring it in. Yeah. but when they ask me for the bill, I will say, you know, yeah, it's ninety dollars forty-five for each Right, like, right, right. right. Like right, it's easy. Cool. Luckily yeah. for me, and it's, it's not lucky. I did it myself, right? It's my place. Um, you know, the drinks used to have different numbers on them, and I was just like, also, it's a weird thing. I uh, all that changed when I read. Uh, Turn out most of this conversation is talking about you know menu and service, but I read an article uh, that was about the psychology uh, involved in choices um, and how the fewer choices you offer people, the happier mm-hmm. they are
0: mm-hmm.
1: right so I applied that to a lot of things. the menu itself used to be twenty two items long now it 's ten mm. um, but I also applied it to the prices right mm-hmm. if right. there 's no like
0: yeah, should I get this? Fear it's of missing out. Or, the, yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
1: oh man, his drink looks so much better, and I think his was a dollar less than my dollar. Who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So some of the drinks were higher, some of the drinks were lower. I, I did cost average, and I just said fifteen is my sweet spot. It'll, uh-huh. like, it'll work for the house. It'll work for the guest. Right. And it, it re- removes a lot of anxiety. It Removes a lot of like when you see a group of six people and they're scanning the bill. I just go, all drinks are fifteen dollars. How many did you have? You know, and they're like mm-hmm. three, forty-five, two, thirty. Awesome. You know, like they don't. It's That's no great. crazy math. It's no oh, we always go out with this guy and he always fucking shorts the bill and I always yeah, end up yeah. taking up his slack. Like, yeah, fuck him. Yeah. My drinks, were I had two, they were 15, I owe 30. <laughs> like, that's nice. the deal. Uh, that's it great. makes it easy on everybody. Cool. And again, I just think of that as another piece of good service.
0: Yeah. Well, I, you brought it up already, but I, I just thought it was the most awesome thing that you've said in the, during the seminar and you, you kind of threw it in at the end. You said that, you know, the, we don't sell the drinks, we don't sell the ice. Yeah. We sell the hospitality. We sell I thought service that was awesome. and
1: hospitality. Hospitality is king for me and i feel like that's a uh, a great i'm really excited that that's a a thing that's getting a lot of attention both in the press and 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 just the way that bars are are serving people you know (laughs) gone are the days of like the you know mustachioed you know sleeve garter wearing pompous guy behind the bar who's you know deigned that you're okay to sit at his bar um you know it's more about like hey come on in here let's let's have a good time like it's it's still just a bar yeah um granted, there are different levels of bars, just like there are different levels of restaurants, yeah, but like in the end, even the best restaurant in the world is there to make me have a good meal yeah. and a good time while I eat it, right you know it's just
0: what's the what 's the way that they 're delivering that hospitality right so right. you know do, do, do you think that we kind of needed that kind of cocktail geek? of course oh yeah, I know the
1: question you 're asking yeah. already yeah. you can ask it so that your listeners mm-hmm. can hear, but I understand what you're saying like yeah. Did did all that have to happen so that we could wind up where we're at now? Absolutely, mm-hmm. we had to go through that like, uh, you know, dark, weird, unnamed, un un unadorned bar that you got to go through some weird thing to get into, and mm. only if you're really cool do you even get to know that it exists, and right. and it'd probably be gone tomorrow or yeah. it moved somewhere, and, like <laughs> all the things that made it really difficult to go get a drink. Like wow, we really went through a lot of work. I was yeah. involved in all that too. Yeah, um, but now we're at a place where it's like. All right. Well, we we figured all that out, and we've we found that these are the things that work, and these are the things that don't work. And frankly, one of the things that didn't work with all that stuff was that it was hard on the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> to be that pompous, arrogant, like overblown, holier than thou, I know more than you know, whatever. Like, fuck it's all not that. fun. It's not fun. It's yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So let's strip away some of that work and put the work in where it's better served, which is service. Yeah. Like, let's be hospitable. Let's be friendly. Let's let's not think that I know more than you know about everything behind me, although I do. Um, yeah. We're
0: but We're all, into, all but in this like together. like I said, when
1: I drop things down for people to taste that they've never had, I don't give them my opinion until they give me theirs. And I often learn stuff, right? So that, that means that I don't know everything. And thank God I don't because then it's over, right? Right. Then
0: it's once, boring. Once you acquire all the knowledge, it's done. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. I really oh, my appreciate pleasure. it. Yeah. And I want to take up more of your time. No, no. I'm sure you're busy. I, yeah, I got a few things to do. <laughs> There you have it. How to Hospitality by Southern Teague. I know uh, we brought this up twice already during the interview, but uh, I want to hear it just one more time. This is as recorded at the Tampa Repeal Day Conference.
1: We don't sell the fascinators. We don't sell the lights and the music. We don't sell the baseball cards. We don't sell the bitters that we actually sell. We don't sell any of that. All that stuff comes free with the hospitality that we sell. It's the only thing we sell.
0: I just love his philosophy on that and on hospitality in general. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I think there's a lot of great lessons to be learned there. And, uh, st- hey, stand by for our toast. We do our toast every uh, show at the very end. But first I'll tell you, oh, we never did the uh, the book of the week. We usually have a book of the week and a cocktail of the week at the very beginning of the show. But, uh, well, let's make our book of the week, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think that kind of goes along with the theme of today, uh, psychology psychology and how to, how to treat people. So uh, I'll have a link to that up on bartenderjourney.net. And, uh, you'll see an Amazon link for that up on bartenderjourney.net. That's a great classic book by Dale Carnegie, and um, th- there's a lot of great lessons to be learned in that book. Usually we do a cocktail or a spirits book, but hey, why not? Let's try something different this week. As for the cocktail of the week, well, Southern told us about the Sharpie mustache, so there's our cocktail of the week. Hey, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. The website is bartenderjourney.net. Get over there and uh, you can find the contact page. You can get in contact with me over there. And there's an events page that uh, tells you about some of the uh, events coming up, uh, including Tales of the Cocktail. I'm about, oh, and uh, Nightclub and Bar Show. I'm packing my bags for that this week. So uh, we'll have some uh, reports back from that pretty soon. Uh, there's a competitions page there with some, uh, co- some cocktail competitions. Oh, and speaking of events, oh, I was at Whiskey Live recently. and... And uh, there's another one coming up in Washington, D.C., if you're in that area. It was a great event. And I'll tell you a little bit more about uh, what went on there uh, in the next episode of Bartender Journey. Make sure you're subscribed so you get the new episodes as soon as they become available. And uh, you'll also be able to browse the back category once you're subscribed. And uh, if you have any questions at all about how to do that on bartenderjourney.net, there's a subscribe page, and that can help you out. On BartenderJourney.net, there's a blog entry that goes along with each episode. So, uh, and under that, there's a comment section. So, feel free to uh, to write in if you enjoyed this episode, or you have uh, your own you have your own philosophy on hospitality, or you have anything to add. Please, uh, please feel free to do that. All things Bartender Journey are on BartenderJourney.net. All right, here's our toast. Here's to the nights that become memories, the friends that become family, and the dreams that become reality. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. We therefore recommend that the Congress of the United States immediately propose an amendment to the federal constitution repealing the 18th Amendment.